You're listening to Once, episode 121, Dark Hollow. Welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're so happy to have you listening with us, and we'd love your support in the podcast awards. I'll tell you more about that later on. And there is also the People's Choice Awards, but I'll save those announcements for later on. Let's get into talking about this episode, Dark Hollow, from Once Upon a Time. And we already did our initial reactions, which were a bit all over the place, and we're going to be answering some of the questions we raised in the initial reactions. The first time I saw the episode title, Dark Hollow. Yes. I had absolutely no idea what it was about. I had an idea. I thought it was going to be the Headless Horseman. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that, that could fit. Dark Hollow, Sleepy Hollow. I like those kinds of titles where you have no idea what they're going to be about. <laughs> yeah. Titles that aren't aerial. Right. <laughs> 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 titles that aren't Ariel, or I won't say it, but there's a title coming up that I'm like, oh, okay. Wonder what the theme of that episode's going to be. The Queen is Dead. Well, although well, that one was a little bit more cryptic. Right. But anyway, let's talk about this. They gave us this nice replay of the scene from And Straight On Till Morning, the second season finale. So it was nice to then pick up right where we left off then. Oh, yeah. And we know this is only five days ago. Storybook time. Right. At least. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Because it seems like so much time has passed. Yeah, and the way that time is working in Neverland is supposed to be different. But I have to wonder how different is it? Because this episode, Jeremy, like you pointed out in the initial reactions, this is the only time we've seen an episode go with the character actually go back and forth between the two worlds. Right. Back and forth, not just from one to the other. So the storyline is happening in multiple locations, and a character goes between them. Oh, that's true. And when Ariel went on that errand and came back, she said she was late, but Rumple and Regina didn't seem to mind that. They didn't know how long it was. Regina said stuff like 24 hours. So Right. But, huh? but they sat there and waited. Well, Regina, yeah. We don't know how long they were waiting, but um, they... The 24 hours was how long the bracelet would keep Ariel's legs going. Oh, I thought she said an hour. No, 24 hours. Oh, okay. But Wow, that would be an incentive. <laughs> we, we don't know how time works differently in Neverland. We just know that it does. It may not right. even be an exact equation, like for every hour in our land is like 10 hours in their land. We how don't... many times have we seen them sleep in Neverland? I don't I don't know. Once, once at least, right? Once or twice. So I'm wondering if it's actually I don't know. Wendy came back and said it felt like she'd been gone longer than she had, so mm -hmm. not sure what they're trying to say exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure, but when this starts out though, at least we know Storybook time five days ago happens right after yeah. everyone else left on the ship. It was so different from Belle's perspective. It's like 
the music kind of told us her mood. So she's watching the ship and it was this big, huge end of finale moment with the building music and then the ship disappears. But watching it with her sad music and her crying, it was just like, there they go. Yeah. <laughs> really shows see him again. Really shows how much emotion Mark Isham can put into a scene with his great right. music. <laughs> <laughs> and the mini scroll, as I shall now call it, which goes along with mini trident. <laughs> actually. I do this vial of perfume. Yes, it had a vial in it, so mm-hmm. that makes it more like a potion. Well, it's it's a potion and a spell, and I did get a screenshot of the written directions on it. Although in that, well, Rumpel did say it's a cloaking spell, but maybe it's right. a spell put into a potion that has to be cast at a certain location. Wrapped in an enigma. Yes. Yes. And then thrown into a paradox just for good measure. (laughs) Okay, you guys lost me. (laughs) (laughs) I think we lost ourselves. (laughs) Did you guys notice the lost reference? Oh, speaking of lost, nice transition. (laughs) No, I didn't. What was the lost reference? (laughs) (laughs) It it was lost on us. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Apparently. Um, When um, Belle said, others are coming, the others. There are others. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I love it. I got it. Well, <laughs> so nice. when when they then go into the caves and they start preparing for this, we get to see this these cuts back and forth between casting the spell and these others coming. <laughs> the first clue as to who these people were was right there in the car with them. Really? There was a little teddy bear what? hanging from the mirror. Aww, I didn't notice. Michael's bear. Yeah. Miniature size. <laughs> to make a really big stretch, one of the first times we caught a glimpse of the others in Lost, they were dragging a teddy bear. Actually, they were. in a scene that looked very much like the Lost Boys in the Disney version of Peter Pan You're right. walking through the jungle. People you know, made that comparison at the time. I actually thought that very <laughs> same thing when I watched Lost and saw that. I was thinking, why does that seem so familiar? The others look like the Lost Boy. Wow. <laughs> and if they're I, w- lost. And so if I wasn't crossovers. wearing these kinds of headphones, my head would be exploding right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're wearing those. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That might get messy. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on after the mess. No time for whistling, boys. Let's get swinging. You know, I, I have expected to see those pickaxes doing a lot more damage than they were doing. Yeah, they did crack a big stone in some way. I'm they glad did. they could see the seam of, Me too. like, well, I don't know. They said something about pixie dust or fairy dust. dust. But really, I thought that was made from diamonds, so... They have to find a, a vein of diamonds, a diamond vein. Which apparently runs throughout the town, so they should be rich. Apparently. If they could ever leave. But uh, apparently casting a spell looks a lot like just dumping a liquid with feelings. <laughs> <laughs> like, believe. She's like, okay, little belief and dump. <laughs> well, I do wonder, did she really have to believe? Because it seemed like she had a decision moment and then it worked. But was that because of her, or was there just some delay effect? I think it was because of her. Do you think, then, she has any kind of magic? Probably not. I mean, it was all kind of given, you know, it was it was there. She used it, and belief simply needs, I mean, magic needs, like we've been learning, some emotion or belief behind it, mm. or idea. True. So maybe he just put everything in that bottle, except for... 
the emotion behind casting it. Yeah, that's I like that. Blue seemed to think there was a reason he gave it to Belle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me wonder how much of Gold's stuff that he left behind can be activated in some way by Belle. Hmm. Probably a lot of it. This isn't blood magic this time. This is love magic. It's love magic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he has their hairs somewhere wrapped around each other in a bottle? <laughs> it's like when people are related by marriage and not blood. It's kind of the same principle. Yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like, Daniel, we're family now. We are. Yeah. Oh, that means you can find all this stuff with big glowing tentacles. I know. <laughs> what? Well, that's kind of what happened when Belle put the cup tentacles? in the cupboard. It kind of tentacle Okey-doke. to the floor. <laughs> I think we were all thinking the same thing when this dome came over. Not Under the Dome, the TV yeah, show. Which, say. by the way, check out our Under the Dome podcast, <laughs> which will be returning after the hiatus is over. But it reminds us of what? Cora. Yeah. This was a liquid version of Cora's staff. <laughs> <laughs> I did like seeing that. That, that was really cool was to really see cool. the town being protected. I, I think this is one of my favorite scenes from season three, very similar to my favorite scene in season two of hmm. seeing that dome come down. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying you got chills. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of odd that the clock tower was fixed, isn't it? Because wasn't it so broken when the ship left? Oh, yeah, that's right. Broken. So I felt like that was a continuity it was, problem. Yeah, broken from when uh, Cora pushed Johanna yeah. out it. Oh, poor Johanna. Which was really sad, but somebody noticed, one of our listeners pointed out, that it was still broken. I thought in the finale, maybe it wasn't the finale. They hadn't exactly had a lot of time to do repairs. Although it would have been kind of funny if that manhole had shot up out of the ground and flew into the clock face <laughs> and broke it again. And that could just be a storybook thing where the clock keeps getting broken and they just magic it back into place. Maybe somebody did that on the way out of town. They're like, well, here, poof. It, it was definitely broken, though, in the finale of second season. I do remember that because I was looking for that, too. But, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking about that in this episode. There are, of course, going to be certain things like gold sign having been broken by all of those vines and the town being destroyed <laughs> now the sign seems to be back in place well was the town still damaged after all that or did it all just reverse it magic it, was it probably magic. eventually reversed but what it seemed when everything was being put back is that stuff was being left damaged but that's maybe that's what happened maybe the, the town restored and things that were broken were fixed uh we yeah, can say that, that anyway yeah, sure <laughs> we'll go with that one other thing I noticed here as the dome was coming down and the red car got through, cut the license plate off. The license plate was zero. No, it cut the I entire mean, yeah, bumper, the bumper off. <laughs> 0920 EAW, which I couldn't really find anything on that, but it's from Minnesota. And I couldn't quite find a connection with Minnesota and <laughs> the writers or anything like that. I didn't dig too deeply, but if you have some research on this and would like to share it with us, then please comment on the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 121. But I think the main point, just similar like with when Greg came, his license plate was from uh, Philadelphia, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that was just to communicate that here's someone that's coming from outside of 
Maine outside of the right. local area. And this is Minnesota, which is even farther away. Right. What time of year is it there? They, they just were realized they were driving coats. with the top down. <laughs> yeah, but they were wearing jackets and yeah. scarves. Kind of matching. Yeah. I guess the Darling Brothers do that. It's probably about early spring or fall, supposed to be, because all the trees had leaves. I believe. <laughs> Somebody tell us what time it is in Storybrooke. It was five days ago. Right. That's what time. Right. I... Uh, then let's jump over to Neverland. And in Neverland, Hook or Rumple's there explaining to Ariel where Storybrooke is. And he draws something in the sand. I know. And it looks sort of like, this is the kind of house I drew in the sand when I was five. <laughs> I He said, or Ariel said, and that's Storybrooke. And it didn't really look like Storybrooke to me. <laughs> and... <laughs> How could she see a drawing from a rock down by the sea? But it did make me wonder if what we missed, or what's supposed to be implied, is that this is a drawing, not of Storybrooke, like a picture of Storybrooke, but it's a kind of map to Storybrooke. Because the first thing that Ariel says after that is that she would, uh, that was far, and she would have to cross over realms. Right. So I wonder if this was some kind of realm map to Storybrooke. Because how else would she know how to get there? She's never been there before. And unless it's something like she just thinks of a place and that's how she's able to get there. So you think it's like a series of portals she'll have to cross through? Maybe some kind of portal map or realm map. Mm. Like if you go to this world... And then go to this world and this world, or I don't know, think a happy thought when you're in this world. <laughs> yeah. It could be either way, because the bean portals, <laughs> for lack of a better word, work by thinking. So she could just, if she's creating her own portal, she could just think, this is where I'm going, take me there. Or, yeah, if he drew a map, then she knows... Because what does far mean if you're creating a portal directly to the place? Mm-hmm. Like, who would care? It could also be a map just basically pointing out where his shop is or where Bell might be. Right, mm. I guess. Yeah. It was, it, it was a little confusing, but it maybe there was something It didn't look like it. So did Rumple at any point record that message that was in the shell? Or did he just wave his hand over the or the sand dollar? He just waved over it. He picked it up, waved his hand over it. It glowed. What a communication time saver. There was a lot packed into that wave. Uh Yeah. I mean, complete with crypticness and facial expressions and everything. Yeah, like a Star Wars sort of. (laughs) Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) Help me, Obel Kenobi. Oh, my. Your only hope. I noticed that... Rumpelstiltskin said when she gets there, enter enter the town barrier underwater. Yeah. So maybe he was telling her just in case she, she surfaced outside the barrier, she could go under it. Mm-hmm. So can anything enter Storybrooke if they know to do that, like swim under the barrier? I don't know. It's very unlikely that that would happen because most people travel by boat and boats don't go underwater. So if someone was in a submarine, (laughs) they could totally get into into Storybrooke. Lost reference. (laughs) Nice. Unless surface meant 
come out of your portal in the water by the shore. Yeah. I was wondering the same thing. See, I I was like, that's her, not very safe. <laughs> her tail came, showed up before she did. I mean, not not to mean that her tail traveled without her, but <laughs> like it looked Ooh. like she went under the water and then came back up on this side mm. of the barrier uh, to yeah. me. Maybe. Uh, That'd be scary. Think back to the barrier that's still there, actually, that magic can't get out of Storybrooke. That uh, if you cross the town line, you forget who you are. Mm-hmm. That barrier is still there. Yeah. And right. remember, that did even go underground because they were about to throw Belle, or oh. Belle's father was about to push her across the line. Yeah. You're right. Evil Mr. French. So much for that theory. <laughs> but that's that's that particular barrier. This is a cloaking spell barrier, which maybe it stops at the surface. We've got a lot of because, layers on this town. You know, I, I was thinking, if the barrier went, like, underwater, it'd have to go underground as well. And it would destroy the road if it did that. Because it destroyed the bumper. Oh, you're right. That's interesting. So maybe it's just a great big, like, half bubble. <laughs> A dome. Yeah. <laughs> dome. Uh, Under the dome. Now that you... Oh my gosh. Now that you bring up the other barrier, that explains what we saw on the road. The, I was like, is the shell glowing on the road as it comes down? It was the spray paint line yeah. that they had to drive across for the other barrier. Right. The one the dwarfs painted. Yes. That makes a whole lot more sense. Yep. That was a good bit of continuity. Not sure about the clock tower. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked seeing it. And they they really seem like they know what they're doing. They have experience in some way. They they were very calm about it. And almost made them seem more villainous at the beginning. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I guess now we know it was just that British calm. <laughs> the British calm. Keep calm and floor it under the dome. <laughs> under the dome radio.com. Stop with <laughs> I got to promote that podcast oh. before the show comes back next year for the second season. Goodness. But then jump back to, uh, well, we'll st- we're still in Neverland with then Pan and Felix talking. When Ariel left, Pan could feel it. And I have a few thoughts on this, is that uh, he could feel when someone left and the fact that Felix asks something about, do you want us to go stop them, makes me think that Pan can tell where it is that they left. The fact that Pan knew who to communicate with, I think, says that Pan can tell where they're going to. Which is weird. That's what I was wondering. I don't know if it's safe to assume that he knows all these things. I was wondering how he knew. Mm -hmm. Because all he said was someone. Yeah. And maybe he just didn't feel like Felix needed to know the details. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I think he can't tell who left Neverland. Yes, because the boys knew exactly who to look for because they said she's here later. Oh, yeah, that's right. So apparently knows the gender of who left. Oh, interesting. <laughs> he does know. So, yeah. I mean, it would make sense for him to know because it would just be stupid for him to, to know the gender and that's all do you think it's safe to assume that she had been there all along in that case because i mean i guess he could have had another moment where he was like oh somebody just arrived 
She might have been. Yeah. It's, it's really possible that she was. That would explain how she showed up so quickly. <laughs> yeah, with, with <laughs> Regina just talking into the the shell and the sea hearing her. Maybe it was just that sea that heard. <laughs> but one subtle thing I'm wondering here. I want Can to see I comment what... on that? Yeah. I think sea is just analogy for all the things that live in it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a word, a d- different way of saying all the things that were in it. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were actually saying that the water hurt her. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> a subtle thing I'd like to see what you guys thought of is when Ariel left and Pan said that, the way he said it and his expressions almost seemed like he was jealous a little bit. Hmm. Oh, I, I actually didn't notice that. Do you think... Did you so Jenny, you didn't notice that. Do you think he could be jealous of people being able to leave Neverland? Because we haven't seen him outside of Neverland since he took Bay. Or was about to take Bay. Uh, I don't know if I would say jealous. I think if anything, it was more like I mean, if I were to read a lot into it, I would say it was somehow at least momentarily taxing. Mm. But I think it was probably more just I am emoting that I feel the departure. <laughs> that was all I thought. Or um, maybe he was emoting that that it troubled him a little bit because yeah, now the plan was getting a little bit messy. Well, what if Pan is stuck on Neverland? Because why send his shadow? Why even rip his shadow off of himself if he's the one that did that? And have his shadow do his bidding if he could just travel to other worlds and do it for him or do it himself. And why ask Hook to do some of Pan's stuff? I wonder if Pan is stuck. And this is a theory that also came in from our listener, Bill, uh, via Twitter. He said, I'm thinking Pan has sought enough magical battery power to be able to leave the island. Maybe he has the same poison as David and Cross Realms. Hmm. I like that theory. I was just writing that down. I was saying, maybe he can't leave Neverland because he's poisoned. Interesting. And that's how he knew that Dreamshade was so dangerous. Or maybe he doesn't leave Neverland because that's where he's most powerful. Well, the first time we saw him, like earliest history we saw Pan, was in the recent episode Good Form. And that's when Hook and his brother, or Killian, and his brother went to Neverland. That chronologically happens before Bay started collecting the Lost Boys. So You mean Pan? Yeah. Yeah, Pan. <laughs> well, in that episode, he did leave Neverland. Yeah. So it could be something afterward. And it was daylight. Yeah, true. So maybe something happened when he took the Lost Boys back. I mean, we saw daylight... On the Jolly Roger, when Bay was young, and the Lost Boys were already present, so that might not be. Well, actually, the episode that I'm talking about is at night when all the boys were dancing around the fire, and right. Peter Pan Good was form. Peter Pan was or, the Pied. No. Sorry, Peter Pan was the <laughs> Pied Piper. Yeah, right. that that wasn't good form. That was uh, one of the other recent episodes. Right, that happened chronologically after. The first time we saw him in Neverland talking about Dreamshade with Killian. 
Interesting. But he did refer to their friends on the ground as if Neverland is up in the sky. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's funny. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I feel like it's like in Storybrooke. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, could any intelligence of any kind exist within the bounds of Storybrooke? <laughs> I didn't really understand his tone, but I was offended by it. So the, did the, blah, blah, did Felix definitely ask if Pan wanted them to stop Ariel? Yeah, I think that's what he was asking. As though that was definitely possible, which maintains the idea that people only leave if Pan lets them. Well, Pan said someone's leaving Neverland. Hmm. So maybe he can tell when someone is leaving, but Ariel is too quick. Maybe. Because I thought he said something like, oh, it's too late, or oh, maybe basically he did. he did let her go. But yeah, if he really could control who can come and go, then why couldn't, why didn't he just prevent anyone from leaving? Right. Then he wouldn't have any possibility of any kind of threat. Maybe he's bluffing even with that. He would have even, I think, prevented the whole ship from coming to Neverland. Well, he oh, wanted them all there, yeah. right? It's a part he, of a great big game. He just needs Henry. Yeah, he just needs Henry. And the other people are causing trouble. Maybe he needed... Oh, you're right. To some degree. So I, I would say he can't control who comes and goes as easily as we think, he, or at least as far as who comes. It seemed important to him that Emma find Henry at some point already turned. And I don't know if that was an improvisation because they arrived or if he really kind of did need them. Maybe he needs both Emma and Henry. And well, Henry. He Maybe. does have a plan and he is improvising on it. Right. As he said, even just in this scene, that he said that they they just need to bump up the timeline on their plan. And it makes me wonder, was Wendy originally part of this plan or was this a new idea he got in order to speed up Henry? I think, I think this, um, yeah, I think it was an alteration in plan. He needed Henry to go to Skull Rock and he needed a way to get him there. He needed some story. I think that was a new plan. Yeah. Enter Wendy. <laughs> Surprisingly in the box. Poor girl. How long <laughs> she's been in that box. I know. Yeah, a while. At least a hundred years. Our, our time. Poor girl. More than so... a century. What would he have done? Why did she cooperate so willingly? Because he's powerful. Then Henry goes and she's just kind of like, I don't like lying to him. Almost like, and maybe she believes this, but it was almost like she agrees with the end goal, but she didn't like the method of getting there, but wasn't that concerned with it so that she wouldn't do it. She may be, be she may be believing a lie as well. Yeah. About that the land just needs magic and that that will help things. Well, when we come to the Neverland 5, as they're planning to then catch the shadow, we, we learn that the shadow is an entity of itself that can carry out Pan's will from a distance. From miles away, it was said. Yeah, and I'd say even realms away, because we've seen the shadow come and go in other realms. Mm -hmm. um, our land, as well as... Present day fairy tale land is where we've seen the shadow so far. Mm. 
So the well, shadow uh, can come and go. And, oh. and also London. <laughs> yeah, that's our land. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. It was of the past. The fact but. that he said that, that the shadow can carry out Pan's will from miles away makes me think that Pan and his shadow can communicate sort of telepathically. Because, you know, he said Pan Shadow was rarely with him. Yeah. So if he's rarely with him, but they seem to be in sync all the time, then it would make sense that they can communicate telepathically. I wonder if it's a constant stream of thoughts or if it's more like given a command and then it follows that command. Like, try to kill anyone else that you see that's not a lost boy or try to kill anyone from the neverland five rip out their shadows something like that and not that they're in constant communication so whatever happens to the shadow pan knows of right that instant i'm not so sure if it's that kind of connection between them but maybe like calling someone on a phone instead of staying on the line (laughs) with them yeah and that would make sense because if rumblestiltskin knew where the dagger was, then he couldn't have hid it from himself. Right. So if he was always communicating with his shadow, then he would know where the dagger is. Yeah. Hidden. Yeah, that's true. And we also learn Neil apparently does need to navigate. He just needs a shadow to fly. <laughs> so, so they're going to, what, mount up a saddle to yes, the shadow? Yes. and. <laughs> A cart. But maybe like, they're. Oh, go ahead. Maybe they're gonna do like a, like a Wendy, John, and Michael thing, and all grab each other's ankles. <laughs> it will be the Christmas special, <laughs> and the shadow will be there with a sleigh behind it and a big red. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Maybe not. Children, watch your your chimneys carefully. The shadow might be coming from. Oh no! That's nice. You're responsible for all the bad dreams of the kids who are listening right now. <laughs> no, I'm not responsible once upon a time is. <laughs> but speaking of bad dreams, it seems Team 7 isn't having any bad dreams, any bad life events now that Snow and Charming are gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have a point that nothing bad has happened. Aw, that's mean. Yeah. I like how Grumpy is, is like, shut up. They're great. Stop saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Bad things almost happened if they had been protecting Belle and Ariel the way they would protect Snow and Charming. Mm -hmm. But instead, they just sat around eating more lunch, and they didn't go, and they weren't around when the guns came out, and (laughs) I don't know. I think they're sticking their heads in the sand at the shore. Well, they had no reason to think that anyone was in Storybrooke yet. This was... Well, that's true. This is five days later, Storybrooke time. And it seems like these two guys, John and Michael, have been hiding this whole time Mm -hmm. and unknown by anyone that they were even there. Yeah. Now I feel like we can finally talk about the Comic-Con preview. (laughs) Yeah. Hinting at Ariel. But this was the most similar we've seen where the Comic-Con preview was Grumpy sitting on the shore, eating lunch, but by himself Mm -hmm. in Storybrooke and a mermaid whose face we never saw but just her red hair came and sort of stole a dingle hopper slash mini trident from him and 
apparently ran away. We were confused at the time as to how she could go back and forth from legs to a tail. Yep. Now we know. But so this was kind of like that, but worked in the plot way better than that scene would have. And I think that certain things like that, we shouldn't take these trailers or these teasers or whatever you want to call them promos we shouldn't take those kinds of things to be canon well yeah i know because obviously no the same thing with hook how they introduced hook was they showed a shadowy character break into gold's shop and break one of the cases and pull out a hook and stick it into his hand oh and you see, got to I, see the hook i never saw that i don't <laughs> think yeah i saw that and that, it did not happen right but it's a teaser that's really what the point is, is they want to tease what's coming. Mm -hmm. And so they just come up with some little short in order to yeah. tease with but that. But it was amusing to see that the teaser was actually kind of accurate this time. Right. Close to it, yeah. So in the diner, <laughs> no shirt, no shoes, no service. <laughs> Belle was sad because she wanted to be a hero. And in this episode later on, she gets really excited at the chance of being a hero, knowing that she has a chance to save Rumpelstiltskin, to help save Henry. Excites she misses her. her glory days. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, she's that one person who wants to be a hero or heroine and, and to save people, adventure. We've always known, well... We've seen in Belle's past that she loves being the hero. She loves the adventure. And she's missing that, being left in Storybrooke. So it, it makes more sense now why she would be so sad to be left behind, not just because, well, goodbye to Rumpel, but also she's missing <laughs> out. Yeah. But here she's got guns and mermaids and <laughs> magic spells and Pandora's box and mm -hmm. all of this stuff. <laughs> uh so now we know that Belle was not going to Neverland in her dreams. Yes. She would have mentioned that. I mean, right. she's sitting here feeling useless. And if she'd been visiting Neverland in her dreams and comforting Rumpelstiltskin, then she wouldn't feel so useless. But right. And she didn't know he was alive until Ariel showed yeah, up. She didn't even. Yep. Yep. And in the same scene, Belle calls casting the spell, pouring a potion over rocks. So <laughs> I feel justified in my assessment of the situation. Well, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> she said it though yeah are you turning down cheeseburgers though never <laughs> i loved never. the ruby outfit reference <laughs> <laughs> that was great i love how like modern they all are in their in their heads it's great i love all these i really liked seeing our some of our favorite storybook characters back again like Granny and Team Seven there, all the seven dwarfs. And Dr. Archie Hopper was great seeing mm -hmm. him again and also playing his part that he's you know, being the psychologist to Belle a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It was it was too short. But maybe since Ariel went back to Storybrooke, presumably, at the end, we'll get to see a little more Storybrooke in the next few episodes. I think we will. That would be nice. Because we've got to find out where Eric is. Hang on. Was... Um, was Ruby with the, with the group of people who ran, you know, no. over the docks mm. to go and say, they did it, didn't they? No. She wasn't there? No, Megan Ori is just not available anymore. In fact, she's in a new TV show coming out uh, next year along with, 
Uh, I'm, re- I'm forgetting now who the... Oh, the guy, uh, Sawyer. The guy who played oh. Sawyer from oh. Lost. They're um, partners in a new TV show coming out. I think it's called Intelligence. Uh, I might be mixing up the TV shows. Interesting. Yeah, it's Intelligence. Weird. And it's coming out on CBS soon. So if you want to see Megan Ory play a different part and want to see Sawyer's character from Lost with a computer in his brain, kind of Chuck style, but a lot more serious. Computer in his then, brain. Yeah. Then check out Intelligence when it airs on CBS. So congratulations, Megan, for a new part. Wow. So in Gold's shop with this sand dollar Star Wars telepate, tele, tele, whatever. Telephone. Device. Yeah. It's a telephone. Telephone, telephone device. <laughs> this got Belle excited, but also tearful when she saw rumple did you notice she was just it was like she wanted to touch him yeah she misses him they love each other (laughs) yes so we hear rumple say that he believes he can defeat pan and live which apparently no longer includes killing henry i suppose he didn't seem very nefarious about it but, you know, it's him. He could be all misty-eyed about seeing Belle again. He's like, well, yes, I had to kill my grandson, but, uh, you know. But we're well, together again. This is a, this is a and you look fertile. Entirely. <laughs> Holy crap. That's what Pan said. <laughs> Which, young man, watch your mouth. <laughs> oh, totally lost my thought. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> so Belle gets to be a hero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well we'll just move on from there. <laughs> yes, she was it, it was almost childlike. She's like, I get to save everyone. Oh, now I remember what I said. What I was gonna say. Um <laughs> well the the whole plan changed because it didn't go there to defeat Pan to defeat Pan. He went to just grab Henry and die, pretty much. Yeah. Or so, defeat Pan by dying. I I think, yeah. Well, I don't know. But um, I think just saying, I know how to defeat Pan and live, explained that the whole plan was different. So now he's looking to defeat Pan, whereas before he might not have been. Yeah. So back in Neverland, when Henry is at the camp... It was nice to see that he does believe that his family is there. We questioned that a little bit before the whole thing with the mirror and was he maybe deciding not to believe. But yes, he does believe his family is in Neverland and that motivates him for a little while. (laughs) But well, I think he still does believe it, but it's his sympathy to the cause changes later on. Yeah, I half called what he would do because he did blurt out to Pan that his family was there, but he didn't tell him how he knew that and yeah. that he had talked to them, which, you know, baby steps. It's good. And I feel like at the same time in that same scene, Felix seemed sort of like like a very old soul sort of person. The, the, suddenly the way he talks just struck me that way. And he just <laughs> he was just kind of like, we seem to be losing the boy. And he just sounded like... I have hundreds of years of life experience and we've been working together for a really long time. I don't know. (laughs) I bet they have been. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It was just, it was odd feeling like he, he was, he's not all that childlike. He's just sort of, he's growing on me. 
<laughs> I know some I know some guys who remind me of Felix actually. <laughs> do they seem to never age and do people disappear in their presence? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know them that well. I just know of some guys that remind me. Of Beware Felix. of them. <laughs> Beware. I'll be I'll be afraid if I see them lugging around a giant club. <laughs> <laughs> I would <laughs> be wary of anybody that I see lugging around a giant club. <laughs> Let's talk about coconuts instead. Well, okay. Okay. In our initial reactions, Jeremy and I were questioning a little bit what really happened with the coconut thing. And also, we've received some feedback also questioning why did the coconut suck in the shadow when Bay lit uh, a match and it scared the shadow away? Why those two things? Those don't seem to connect. But I think the answer comes in something that uh, Neil actually said, is that he did call it a magic coconut. He did. So it's not just a coconut with a candle in it. It's a magic so thing. So what makes it magic? Air holes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't Let's know. go make a magic coconut right now. <laughs> Maybe it was something that he learned from Tinkerbell. Maybe so. Maybe so. I was just, when I saw it, I was, and he said, it's not a star map. I was thinking, what are those holes for? And why are they there? If it's going to just trap a shadow. Breathing holes? Well, that's what I thought. (laughs) Air holes. But I was like, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Now it's a star map. Now it's a shadow catcher. And later I can even drink water from it. (laughs) So it was a multi-purpose. And I can strain noodles with it. Yeah. It's a multi-purpose magic coconut. They should be sold in Walmart mm-hmm. or not. Uh, hey, you know what? Actually, if you <laughs> w- like carving things out of coconuts oh and you want to make one of these <gasps> for us, for us, yes. yes, please send it to Once Podcast, P.O. Box 739, Burlington, Kentucky, 41005. That would be awesome. However, if we I expect the star map to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. I loved Emma's line about... Why couldn't it be called something like Sunshine Valley or Rainbow <laughs> Island? That made me think of Harry Potter. <laughs> Why can't it be called the butterflies? Right. <laughs> and really, the answer to that is that then it would be a trap because you'd want to go to Sunshine Valley or Rainbow Island, but you really shouldn't go to Dark Hollow. Mm-hmm. You really shouldn't. <laughs> it's kind of like how Greenland is not so green. So it makes people want to go to Greenland, but it's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. It's a trap. (laughs) When then uh, Belle and Ariel are looking around in Gold's shop, I loved that Ariel and Rumpel seem to have a lot of common, that she's just going crazy with all of these random Mm. things that... Look at this stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I was just waiting for her to say, isn't it neat? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look I love that. Stuff. Yeah. Isn't it neat? It, even if she just hummed yeah. that while she was looking around, Loved that would have been great. <laughs> Loved it. I'll bet she her character could get away with humming. Yeah. Just at random times, so they'll probably work some song into the show somewhere. <laughs> there was a little lost reference in here again because the whiskey bottle, McCutch McCuck McCutcheon was <laughs> still in there in fact with two glasses which i think were left there from the last time that rumple drank with lacy in there just before he gave her the potion 
Huh. Men never put things away. <laughs> <laughs> they were a little busy. <laughs> you should always clean up before you chase your kidnapped grandson, though. <laughs> and save your town from destruction. Probably. Having seen the button, I'm wondering if that's how we're going to meet Eric. Is that right. we'll see someone with a button. But we know as soon as we see some new guy that... Well, we know what Eric looks yeah, like. Yeah, we, we do. do. So, yeah. so that makes me wonder if, I don't know, if he's locked up somewhere and they're going to have to find him with the button, or maybe it's just sort of a hint that, yes, Eric really is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a chance for her to be able to talk about the kind of prince with legs. <laughs> Does that mean she has met princes who do not have legs? Well, I, I think as opposed to they're having a tail. Like a prince. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a thing? Um, well, her dad's a king. Yeah, there must he's be the princes. king. True. So there must be princes mm-hmm. and princesses and commoners. We got it. Except I don't... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how... how um, I love how, how Belle said... I know. Whenever... Um, when Ariel said, it's chipped. When she was talking about the cup, I'm just like, I know. Like, it was gr- so sweet. It's a great story. <laughs> oh, it was great. You really should watch it. All of the shippers loved that episode. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you that's what being, Belle would you be being saying Belle. to Ariel. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we get to see Pandora's box. Another the- box! Legend says it contains the world's darkest evil. Shouldn't you be wearing gloves or something? <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of confused. Love it. Why she seems so delighted about this box and why she seems so delighted that Rumpel's going to use it against a person after just saying it's got the world's darkest evil in it. You know, she's usually the, you know, moral. That's true. Humane voice. And now she's like. Cackling over this evil box <laughs> and saying, let's get it to Rumpelstiltskin so we can kill someone with it. <laughs> Maybe the idea that he's going to use it to defeat someone who's evil and do something good. Mm. But you're right. They should be a little cautious because... The world's darkest evil is nothing to right. play with. Correct. We got some good feedback in about Pandora's box and... Leslie suggested we emphasize some letters from it. <laughs> Pandora's box. Oh. A box which contains the most evil. Hence, it is not a weapon to fight Pan, but to entrap Pan with all the other evil already within it. <laughs> so we've got Pan. Now we just need Dora. Or maybe Dora's already in there and Pan is supposed to be too. And yeah. it's like, Pan, Pandora. why are you out of your box? <laughs> Get back in the box. <laughs> but Leslie said, I do not think Rumpel will be releasing what's within it, but adding to it. He will trick Pan into it. And I'm thinking this is the direction it's going to go as well. It's the Pan hyphen Dora box. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Dora means like... um prisoner or jail or something like that but did you notice the writing <laughs> around the inscriptions on I it i did it? i did and i looked it up it's alpha and omega which means beginning and end yeah which yeah is first and weird. last greek greek alphabet letters on the side but on the top around the gem was something that i'm not even going to try to pronounce good oh please try oh <laughs> liturge me maybe but our 
listener Tobias, and there's a forum thread about Pandora's box in our forums too. We'll link to that from the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 121. But Tobias said, I just want to tell that I recognize the writing on Pandora's box and the forum user storyteller already recognized it and translated it. This, this Greek phrase means open with, if my translation is right. That's what a storyteller had said. And Tobias adds to that. Well, I also did some research. As far as I can say, uh, this translation is correct. But just if you think that it's modern Greek. In ancient Greek, words which begin with this symbol that this word does begin with <laughs> have always always have something to do with serving, like an official who serves the public slash state huh. or a priest. So probably it could have something to do with that. Hmm. That maybe, yeah, so my idea from this is maybe it's extreme evil, but it can serve someone like the dark one yeah exactly or like a wraith or like a shadow or anything like that i had a thought maybe it's um like a maybe it contains a foe of pans that would distract him for a long time Mm. you know like when cora came to storybrook she distracted both of the wicked people yeah regina and rubble stiltskin maybe it'll contain someone evil that pan has to defeat all over again i don't know just a thought could, could maybe be. it contains dora maybe maybe it's dora <laughs> they just they have to fight, <laughs> they have to fight. <laughs> but he can't hit he can't hit a girl so <laughs> that's what will defeat him in our chat room right now while we're doing this live on wednesday at 8 p.m phoenix 815 pointed out a tweet to us that there's a hidden Mickey Mouse on this box as really? well. It's on the side with the gears on it. Uh, <laughs> oh the, my. the two gears on the top and a big gear in the middle form a Mickey Mouse head. That's great. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I I looked also very carefully to see if I could notice anything else and not no other really clues from the box. But it's well, interesting there are what look like gears all over it. Mm-hmm. Makes mm-hmm. me wonder what it's going to look like when you open it. Well, yeah, it's... all those gears are probably going to move. <gasps> Maybe it's going to expand. It reminded me actually of the gears on the elevator in the library in Storybrook. Gears always mean it's heavy duty machinery, right? So, or a little steampunk. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a lot of this magical stuff does seem a bit steampunk. Steampunk. I love steampunk. I love it. I love steampunk. Great. We just need some bubble goth, and I'll be really happy. <laughs> So when John and Michael come in, they they say of Greg and Tamara, or goat, as they're often referred to. Why are they referred to as that? G-O-A-T, Greg and Tamara. Where's the O come from? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Greg Greg slash Owen and Tamara. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's a stretch. (laughs) But they said what I think many of us would enjoy saying of Greg and Tamara. They were patsies. Patsies. (laughs) Pawns. Is that a... Other negative words starting with P. Is that a British they were like insult? Puny, puny <laughs> pawns of patsies. Oh. <laughs> wow, pawns of patsies, the lowest of the low. I like that back on Neverland, Pan. No, oh, I kind of like 
but Pan is manipulating situations with the whole don't let Henry know when it's really let Henry follow yeah, you. Yeah, and he deliberately avoided the tree that Henry was hiding behind, I noticed. Right. Yeah, I I was pretty sure that they knew he was listening. And then it was of course, painfully obvious later. Oh, yeah, the whole thing was just a total setup for it. Henry, you have got to stop being so gullible. <laughs> True. I Char- guess he's only 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus a few days now. Well, Charming and Snow really have some marriage issues to work through. Mm-hmm. I love the reality of Snow and Charming's marriage quarrel because guess what? Marriage is tough and full of arguments and stuff. <laughs> so I loved, I loved that they're showing us this. And the acting, I think, has been very good and realistic on this. I was especially noticing that during their fight scene, which comes a little later. <laughs> fight <probably>. scene? <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> their marital fight scene. <laughs> well, but, they're just getting practiced for their marriage in real life, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I really love the writing and the acting in season three. I think mm-hmm. it's all been stellar. Yep. Once Upon a Time stellar. team, you guys are doing a great job. And Props to you. I'm okay with lower quality computer graphics if it <laughs> means you can get better scripts and better acting. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. That's funny. <laughs> so then our love triangle goes to the dark hollow. <laughs> You're just going to refer to the group as love triangle? Maybe we yeah. should just call it Rainbow Cove, just for kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of Rainbow Cove, we learned that the kiss actually didn't mean anything to Emma. Yeah. So she says. Yeah, she. it did seem like it meant something, but I think the her saying it didn't mean anything is a choice of hers. Realizing this is great, this was exciting, but I don't really want this. Because it's exciting, it is, really. <laughs> Just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, yeah. And making it a choice to not mean anything is totally valid. Mm-hmm. But the way that... Emma and Hook talk, and she points out, you're a pirate. And the way then he responds, yeah, that I am, makes it really seem like he's regretful of not just the label, but regretful of the decisions he's made, that he he isn't as honorable. Or well, so many people keep thinking he's not honorable. If she only knew why he became a pirate, then it would become more honorable. Because yeah. he was under a, like a a bad king, right? Right. Yeah. So given that's why bad he orders. turned pirate. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But, but nobody knows that. Along with his honor, I can appreciate the way he's trying mm-hmm. to get Emma. So when I win your heart, Emma, and I will win it, I will not be because of any trickery. Because you want me. This is not a contest, Huck. Isn't it? You're gonna have to choose, Emma. You realize that, don't you? Because neither one of us is gonna give up. Do they have their own theme now? Hook and Emma. Do they have their own theme? Is that it? Because um, I like, I like her theme with Neil a little better. <laughs> Actually, a lot better. The crime theme. Yeah, the crime theme. Boom, 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 boom. Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 
Emma, you have to choose Neil so we can have that music back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does seem to play often whenever they're working together, often when just Neil is uh, going around places. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. It's my favorite theme. The and- whole show. <laughs> Even when she said that she chooses Henry, there was there was a different theme that was I couldn't I can't decide if it's because I'm not sure if it's like the Emma lost theme or like the Emma and Henry. Theme I think Emma Henry. and Henry have well, have a theme. And they? Mark Isham, I'm not sure if they do necessarily. It makes but sense that they do. Mark Isham doesn't necessarily have to only use a character's theme or mix character themes during a spot. They'll well, often right. reuse things, but it's. It's, I think, those very character-driven moments where it's very strongly a particular character or that character's storyline that he brings in the theme a bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we have to assume that every time we see a person talking, it's their theme well, playing no, in the background. Well, no, but there was one, definitely, the music that played when Henry died at the end of season one. Yeah. That music was what played for just a second when she said she chooses Henry uh, yeah. and walked away. Yeah. That's, yeah, there is a Henry's theme, <laughs> but it's a bit more moving feeling and, and eager feeling. That seems pretty confident that he's going to win Emma's heart. Yeah. Wow. As one person on Twitter said, if Emma doesn't choose Hook, I will. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Hook. You got a girl. <laughs> yeah. She's out there rooting for you. Hook as soon as Emma walked away, Hook was like, Oh, I'm glad I got through that without shaking. He was just projecting <laughs> confidence. Just kidding. <laughs> He's totally buttering her up. Mm-hmm. Like laying it on really thick. Like it was laid saying on real everything thick. that girls want to hear. But this time, you know, I do not really want Hook and Emma together. I don't either. But Mm-mm. I'll give them credit and give him credit that he is being so much more honorable this time. In the second season, almost everything out of his mouth was just innuendo. It was harsh. It was objectifying women. And even some of the ways that he talked about Mila to Rumpel, just very disrespectful, Mm -hmm. very unromantic even. Just like, oh, I'm all the total hotness. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard you say that before. (laughs) That's hilarious. But this time, he's not saying... Like, you're you're going to come after this total hotness. But he's <laughs> saying, I will win your heart. That is very honorable. I'll give him that. He is being honorable about this and saying that Emma will make the choice. Not that he's going to force her, but she'll make the choice. So I can really appreciate that honor. <laughs> you know what? When guys want a girl, they'll perform. And they'll perform the way that that the girls, that they think that the girls will want. So that's... That's what I think. I think he he's just giving her what he thinks that she wants, which is an honorable guy. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, he did do the right thing with the information that Neil was alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he did that for his friend. That's what he said, is that it was for an old friend. Right. Not necessarily for Emma. So all this means that hopefully there's someone out there for Hook. But it's not Emma. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it could be. And I'll touch on that later. I have a note about that later. Okay. <laughs> Back in Storybrooke, when Belle and Ariel escape from the knots, uh, it just took 
a fin, apparently, to help him get out. Yeah, what was with that? I didn't think there were any ropes around her legs. Maybe they just needed to knock the chairs over, and that's I what... think they could have done that without yeah. the tail. Okay, rock! Rock this way! <laughs> Everybody! I, I mean, the tail was definitely the low-energy way to do it. Yeah. If she'd have mentioned a lighter, <laughs> it would have been an Indiana Jones reference. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a lighter. Yeah, I've seen people... You should know, as somebody, if you ever have to tie two people up, don't put them in chairs back to back. Mm -hmm. They can always find a way to knock themselves over. This always results in being able to get loose. We all know that. Tie their knees together and lay them down on the floor (laughs) so that they can't move at all. That's the way to do it, really. If you want to tie someone up, call me. I'm good at it. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Belle is truly having some self-esteem issues. How so? I think she's just, everything I do is a mistake. And, you know, she's just so down on herself right now. She said it backfires, but she, we saw her turn Philip back into a human a long time ago. That didn't backfire. Yeah. I don't understand. She does lots of good things. Maybe it's just kind of like, um... After being so confident and self-absorbed as Lacey, maybe now she's like crashing <laughs> as Belle and just having totally opposite issues, like self-esteem issues. Well, as in our, chat I'm not room, serious. I'm just joking. But it, okay. it, her um, self-esteem <laughs> issues are very noticeable. Well, in our chat room right now, Chris Freeman points out that this has been five days, and she's been having these self-esteem issues for five days, rejecting Granny's great cheeseburgers. <laughs> If I attempt to eat that, it will only backfire. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the condiments. <laughs> I'm thinking about gas right now when you're saying backfire. Randy's burger is giving gas. trying to avoid that, but there it is. It happened. Okay. Speaking of gas, let's talk about the fire between Charmy and Snow. <laughs> I wow. like that David was very willing to just... Like, put out there, let's build a home here. This is a great place for a hut or a treehouse or mm-hmm. whatever. And he finally called Mary Margaret Snow yeah. again. Yes. After Yay. calling her Mary Margaret once or a yes. couple times. Like, let's remember who we really are. Yep. And f- it, it, Snow is so much more easy to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Margaret. kind of funny that they can have this little thing where it's like if she calls him David, that's fine. But if she ever calls him David Nolan, he knows what she's really saying. <laughs> yeah. You coward. True. Okay, David Nolan. <laughs> hey, Mary Margaret. Oh, I wonder if it's weird for Jenny Goodwin and Josh Dallas to stage a marriage quarrel. <laughs> Seeing as they're going to get married, I would just think that would be kind of awkward. They probably think it's fun. Yeah, they probably do think it's fun, but it's probably kind of hard because they're probably like giggling and stuff. Because they're in a relationship. Yeah, It depends on which mushiness stage they're in. Are they in the, oh, we never fight. This is so weird stage. Or, (laughs) or, yeah, do they just think it's funny? (laughs) They're probably like laughing all over themselves. Speaking of relationships, I want (laughs) to thank a very special relationship that we have. And that is you who help sponsor and support this podcast, and especially for this episode. We have one awesome sponsor, and his name is David Newland. 
And then the rest of you, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, David, for really consistently sponsoring the episodes. You yes. hear David's name a lot because he's a subscriber, which means he has signed up to automatically donate to the podcast on a regular basis. And he set up a certain amount. So that's why you hear his name so often as he's just... David Constantly Newland, David Newland, David Newland. Yeah. And you can sign up for a regular donation like that. It could be $10 a month, $50 a month. Hey, it could be $400 a month if you want. Or it could be just a one-time gift. But if you'd like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, we'd really appreciate it because it does quite cost quite a bit to run the podcast. But please go over to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and you can check out the options there. And especially if you'd like to connect us with a company that might be interested in a corporate sponsorship we'd love to talk to them we have that contact information over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and thank you david and everyone else for your support thanks so much yes thank you snow i think really gets it in this this conversation that they have together this argument that they have together a lot of great truth comes from this especially their little back and forth right here love means being together i know it also means sacrifice and she is so willing to be with him. Mm-hmm. At the same point, he's so willing to sacrifice so that she can continue living. I think I think he's wrong and she's right in this one. Yeah, the 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 way that they think from these thoughts, just the way this whole these, thing went down. Yeah, he's wrong and she's right, and I'm so so glad that she's that that Snow is insisting that charming should have told her something as important as hey i might die soon (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean he you can kind of see his point though Mm -hmm. yeah but he could have gone about that in a much better way right it's like good idea bad execution right yes exactly i couldn't have said it better actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just love the fact that even as she's talking to him it's not a question of whether whether she loves him anymore or whether they should be together or any of that junk. Yep. Yeah, she's angry. It doesn't change. They're that arguing they are like committed. A, they are arguing like a proper married couple should argue. Yeah. It just It's it's the relationship and the love is not brought into question. Right. It's just, hey, I'm mad at you because you did something really stupid. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't mean I don't love you anymore. I just don't like you very much right now. <laughs> exactly. In our chat room earlier, someone said, Charming, you're David Nolan showing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they, Snow said, you need to believe in us. It makes me wonder, is that something that will help this dream shade curse or this curse of having to stay on the island? Will his believing somewhere how in their love enable them? To leave? I don't know. Because, I don't know. I don't know. If Neverland is powered on belief, maybe a certain belief so strong could allow him to leave. I I don't know. Or it could come, his salvation could come in some complete other way. Like maybe he has to go to Skull Rock or something. Maybe. Maybe once Henry realizes what power he has there, but then... Pan doesn't succeed, as I assume he's not going to, (laughs) in, I guess you never know, but if Henry's sort of able to use it as it should be used and not for whatever thing Pan has going on, maybe Henry will somehow 
enable a cure. Yeah. Like a lasting cure. Oh, yeah. I could see that happening for sure. Or they'll just take a lifetime supply of that water (laughs) and someone will like charm it so that it's always usable. He just has to keep it on an IV drip. Well, I don't think it's the water itself, but it's... Neverland's magic. Yeah, leaving Neverland, leaving the the bubble sort of. The bubble. But the, speaking of bubbles, love triangle in the dark hollow, because they're kind of like all about (laughs) bubbles and rainbows and happiness. Yes, (laughs) that's definitely what... Dark Hollow is like. So the shadows are drawn to the light. And from there, this magic candle sucks them in. Because that is kind of what happened when Emma, later on in this scene, when Emma finally lit the candle, the main shadow looked at it and started to go toward it. And then he was sucked in. Yes. So if, that- uh, I almost feel sorry for slandering a shadow. He wasn't as stupid as I thought he was. He yeah. was. He didn't just say "ooh, pretty" and go into the light. <laughs> he was trying a little bit to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another thing that I said in the initial reaction was how odd it was that all the shadows disappeared. But this time, I did hear what people pointed out that yeah. they said Pan's pan controlling shadow, right the shadows, and it looked like there were way more than three the first time I watched it. <laughs> yeah. But they were just flying around so much. They were. And, and then there was the whole, they were trying to rip other shadows. So then there were, could have been like five and two dead guys and it would have been bad. And the line about Pan's shadow controlling the other shadows actually wasn't in the captions, the closed captioning, either in the broadcast version or on the iTunes download version, which I thought was interesting that huh. that was missing because that's, I think that's an important key. It's a very important key because why would the other, other shadows stop attacking simply because Pan's shadow was taken? And it makes me wonder, can Pan's shadow control any other shadow? I think so. Like Rumpelstiltskin's shadow. Oh. Probably not that one. Because just like Rumpelstiltskin's shadow probably doesn't even want to associate with the other common shadows on the island, <laughs> I think that he's probably more powerful. <laughs> well... You know, what's crazy, all the shadows had the same color eyes, though, but we've only other only ever seen two other shadows, Greg's shadow and Rumpelstiltskin's shadow. Mm-hmm. It'd be crazy if those were the other two ones attacking, but I am i don't think they were. No. I tried to look. I mean, one of them could have been Greg's. I didn't recognize the shadow I saw. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. It's it feels really odd to say. It's very difficult to recognize shadows. <laughs> I think we would have recognized Rumpelstiltskin's shadow. He's wearing a big coat. He has flowy hair. That would have shown up. I do wonder about the shadow, the main shadow, not attacking Emma, because the other two shadows just very quickly started attacking and ripping the shadows out of Hook. And Neil. And by the way, that means not only Pan Shadow can rip out shadows, but yeah, other the other shadows, shadows can. can too. Well, Pan was controlling those shadows. Or Pan's shadow was. Pan's shadow. Good grief. Pan's <laughs> shadow was controlling the other shadows. Yeah. And you have to think um, have we ever seen a. Um, a lady's shadow taken or a girl's shadow taken? Maybe the shadows don't like girl shadows. Well, the shadow was. Maybe, maybe there's just. Maybe there's, I don't know, long hair. I don't know. what. (laughs) The shadow was trying to attack Emma, but it couldn't really get close enough. Yeah. It makes me wonder. I think your point is good. 
about about uh, long hair because i was just joking about (laughs) about the shadows maybe only being able to rip out guy shadows because look at how greg and tamara died greg had his shadow ripped Uh out why didn't the shadow also rip out tamara's shadow oh because she was damaged goods and she needed to take an arrow so ripple could heal her and then kill her again yes but i also wonder if maybe emma's magical abilities somehow protected her maybe so to some degree because love is strength for her. That's a good point. I so mean, her she can, heart can't she even can be ripped out. Hold on to her heart with love, and maybe she can hang on to her shadow with love. <laughs> she's just hanging on to all she's her innards just, with love. She's really got it together. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when she uses the light darn you magic in order to <laughs> get that candle to light. Oh. The LDY magic. Maybe she's so full of light. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe the shadow didn't want to come near her because she's full of light. Oh, but she should, it should have been drawn to her in that case. Oh, I am curious whether she used love magic or anger magic <laughs> when she lit that. I know. She was kind of feeling like protecting them. Yeah. But here's a great question that came in from Anthony asking, I was wondering about your thoughts on how Emma's magical abilities will affect Neil's relationship with her. It seems pretty ironic that he'd spend so much time of his life running from magic and fairy tales only to wind up pursuing the magical princess of the Enchanted Forest. <laughs> well, that's true. So, what do you think? Well, that was kind of the first he knew of that, wasn't it? Yeah. He was kind of like, Regina's teaching you magic? Yeah. So, you kissed Hook. Regina's teaching you magic. What else are you not telling me? <laughs> While they are in the dark hollow, the darlings and the ladies are in <laughs> the caves in Storybrooke. <laughs> oh my goodness. As they went into the cave, it's like, I'm sorry, but it's like they didn't even try for the overhearing of the dialogue. It was all, here, use this pickaxe. <laughs> like, cool. I, they didn't get any farther than that. I don't know. It, and was it was a little high school drama <laughs> on the dialogue there for just a second. And it was Happy's pickaxe. Was, was it? it? Yeah. I so don't right think Happy it. and Pandora's box go very well together. I don't even think it was a good plan. Let's destroy the box because somehow that is definitely different than opening it. Would that not unleash all the badness and the evil and the glaven and just... I don't know. I think that it would have been a whole lot worse for Storybrooke and the world than the failsafe. Mm-hmm. Belle's brains are really useful. <laughs> it's like her superpower. She's got great a great brain. It's really useful. That's how she's. <laughs> that's how she's been a hero with everything. She's kind of outsmarted. She's just. She's her brain is her biggest asset. <laughs> yeah, she she took control of the situation well. Mm-hmm. And we got to learn then who these guys are, John and Michael, yeah. darling, and that Wendy has been a prisoner for over a century, which lines up with other timeline things. But John and Michael are grown up and we talked about this a little bit in the initial reactions and why this is because they said that Wendy was kept as a prisoner because they tried to defeat Pan. So they tried to defeat Pan while they were still kids. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I was you think so? 
trying to figure out what would have prompted such a defeat. Well, they wanted Bay back because yeah, Bay was their it. hero. Maybe that's it. It, yeah, it could have been that somehow they summoned the shadow back, hitched a ride to Neverland, tried to attack Pan, failed. I mean, it makes me wonder what did they try? Yeah, do you do? think we'll get to see that story? I don't know. Or do you think it's an insignificant detail? I think we might. I'd love to. Yeah. The, yeah. You know what else again, we could we learn if we saw that? Probably some really cool things about the island and about <laughs> magic. and Because it doesn't have to be drawn out, but I think it would very well explain what Pan's relationship is and has been to Wendy right. at this point and to John and Michael. Yeah. Well, remember that the Shadow, or now we know basically Pan, let Wendy come back. To our world. So I, I think it was they went to try and get Bay somehow. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would Wendy and the boys want to go to Neverland after everything they knew about Neverland and how bad they knew it was and how they tricked the shadow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when, they, she cared about Bay. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can definitely see that she would try and defeat Pan. Maybe we'll see um, that Wendy... Actually lived in the cave with Bay when they were younger. Maybe, yeah. And Bay got away, but Wendy didn't. Yeah, because timeline-wise, most if they were still kids when they attacked, which they would have had to have been since Wendy has been kept prisoner and she was a kid, that means that they would have attacked while Bay was still there. Hmm. So there might have been some interaction with the kids. Wouldn't it be awesome to get to see Wendy actually tell a story? Yeah. And it'd be like in that cave. That would be so much fun. In that bay, in the in the cave with Bay, like she to pass the time at night and she might tell him stories. Maybe that's why there are drawings of the Darling family mm-hmm. inside of the cave. Yeah, so they mm-hmm. won't forget. Right. But I wonder Oh, uh, one of the things that we brought up in the initial reactions was about the age of the boys. Mm-hmm. And we learned that Pan can is keeping them alive. Because they would be really old. They'd be dead. Yeah, they would be dead. <laughs> but he's doing that from Neverland. But do you think they have not been back to Neverland in this whole time? Or is that why they're young? Because they spend most of their time there and they only age when they're away. I think they haven't been back to Neverland. And that they are in our world and they've been staying in our world and they've been here for years and years and years doing Pan's bidding because Pan somehow, the home office is somehow able to communicate directly with these people. They look to be about as old as Felix. Yeah. Well, no, I'd say a little bit older. You think so? Yeah. I think Felix looks older than them. I think Pan might have allowed them to age just a little so that... They could do things easier, so like, like drive, drive yeah. buy really guns, yeah. buy awesome cars and <laughs> sort of coordinated outfits. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Wendy, I'm really wondering, why is Pan keeping her prisoner? Why? Like, what good can she do him? Uh, it's it's I mean, what she the did Darling good- Brothers said is that it's because they attacked Pan that she was kept a prisoner so that... It's a ransom, basically. He's holding her ransom until the lost, until John and Michael do the stuff 
for pan that he wants them to do. I wonder how long that's last that that arrangement has lasted. Like, what do they have to do to finally get their sister back? And what have they done up until this point? Mm-hmm. And and how much has and like how many times has Pan promised them you can have your mm. sister back as soon as you do this? It's quite the long game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a bargaining chip that I don't think he's going to let go of unless he absolutely has to. He probably has no plans to let go. Probably of it. But then as Henry finds this tree with Wendy in it, and he starts to hear the story, bedtime stories, but this time Wendy's the one in bed while Henry is sitting on the side and hearing a story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a cave? No, I it was a tree. it looked like a cave too, actually. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I wonder how much of what Wendy said is actually true. We know she was lying about some things. Uh-huh. Was she lying about everything? Well, she was lying about the fact that she was sick. She mm-hmm. wasn't lying about Bay. What about the power of the island fading? That's something that's that Pan has said before. I think that's a lie. She may not understand whether it's true or not, though, because Pan has at least told her that it seems like he believes it to me. Yeah. But Pan said that Henry has the heart of the truest believer. And Pan needs con- to control that heart. To, or actually, he said, I need to control that belief to believe in me. Yeah. Why does Pan need Henry to believe in him? Why? I don't know. Be- because it doesn't seem like something that necessarily has to be done at Skull Rock. It, it could just be the believing in him might be so that Henry will then do whatever he needs to do. Or maybe the believing in Pan is part of what Henry needs to do at Skull Rock. You know, um, this might have something to do with the shadow because in order to summon the shadow, you have to say, I believe. Mm-hmm. So maybe not <laughs> enough people are summoning the shadow and maybe he's just getting lonely and bored with his current <laughs> lost boys. So maybe he just he's just lonely or something. I get the sense that it has to do with transferring power to Pan that should be Henry's. That's just my gut reaction. Mm, yeah. That Henry would have this power, at least in Neverland, but Pan wants to steal it. Yeah. Kind of like an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's upgrade my power with this kid's heart. And Pan said, at least to Wendy, that it's what needs to happen for all of us. So... I don't think that part's true. Maybe not. I mean, it could be part of the lie he's telling Wendy, but he seemed a little bit more earnest there than at other times. But, you know, it could just be a a power trip he's on, too. Yeah. He's a manipulator, and we do know now that he does lie. Yep. Because we've seen him lie several times in this episode. But he did say, I do not have your family in captivity. Yeah, that was true. And that was... After Neil got away. Yeah. Or that was after um, Neil was rescued, actually. So that was true. So maybe, you know, it just seemed like he worded that very carefully. Yeah. Hmm. And it was true. He didn't have any of his family in captivity anymore. But he did say that Wendy was dying, which I assume she's not. She's not. (laughs) Yeah, he just puts her right back in the cage after this. So she's not sick. I'm so sad for her. She doesn't even get a view. No, she (laughs) doesn't. 
But let me ask you to do us a big favor right now. The podcast awards are still going on and will be through November 15th, and we need your daily vote. Thank you so much for nominating us and our other podcasts into the podcast awards. We could not be there without your help. Now we need your daily votes. So please go over to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards to find out how you can help us and support our whole network of podcasts in the podcast awards. But I'll give you the quick details here. Go to podcastawards.com and under business and people's choice categories, vote for beyond the to-do list. Under best produced, vote for once, once upon a time podcast. Under comedy, vote for the ramen noodle clean comedy. Under religion inspiration, vote for are you just watching And under technology, vote for the Audacity to Podcast. Do this every day through November 15th, and make sure you check your email afterward to verify your vote. And if you haven't been verifying your votes, check your spam folder. Maybe you might have a bunch of votes you need to verify. But do that every day. Just a couple days left now, and it might even be passed by the time you're listening to this. But we won't find out until January 2013 at New Media Expo who won the award, but it will be streamed live from podcastawards.com and certainly we'll be tweeting about when it goes live then so you can follow along and find out which podcasts win the awards. And thank you so much for nominating us and thank you for voting. This is the last time I'll be asking you to vote for us in the podcast awards this year. But there's also another way that you'll be able to support Once Upon a Time in some awards, which I'll tell you about a little bit later in the podcast. But Let's go to Regina and Rumpel waiting for Ariel on the beach. When uh, Ariel came, brought the box, she now has the ability to have legs whenever she wants, or a fin, whenever she wants. (laughs) (laughs) Nice of Regina to keep her word. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of seems that the way that Rumpel and Regina are handling this Rumpel seems a bit more willing to do the right thing than mm-hmm. Regina does. And she didn't say something like, if you can find him and then send her off to some infinite ocean or something. Yeah, but it makes me think, Regina's character, it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, just it, it seems too good to be true that she's giving Ariel legs or tail whenever she wants. But it would just, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that Eric has died or... Or if if Eric is married, or if you know, it's, or he crossed the town line at some point. It just seems like it's like there's got to be a catch because Regina is just you know she she mm. hardly ever fulfills her part of the bargain just like that. Yeah, that's right. We talked before about the fact that since Eric never really knew who Ariel really was, and they were never actually together, he could well be married happily. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, but. Probably not. Well, he does have a wanderlust. Yeah. So what if he did go outside the town <laughs> line? I hope not. But <laughs> some of this is stuff that stood out to our listener, Isabel, as well. And she said, it was nice to see Regina's actually, it was nice to see Regina actually honor her deal with Ariel and her and Rumpel semi-encouraging her to pursue him. Good character development for them. It felt more anti-heroish than straight-out villain, which is presumably where both characters are firmly going as the show progresses. But their snarkiness and banter also felt in character and consistent with what we've seen of their relationship. I also think that 
the two of them knowing about Wendy being held captive will tie back into when they inevitably circle back around to the rest of the group and mention it. Since Neil thought of the Darlings as his real family, he will definitely want to rescue Wendy, and then she can let the group in on Peter Pan's plan, or what she knows of it. Mm. I thought Belle, the woman who loves the father of the man the Darling Boys considered a brother, being the one to give them hope, (laughs) that was credit chain, was a nice little tie-in. Maybe Rumpel swinging the bat for Wendy, encouraging the group to find her without knowing how much she means to his son, could help repair some of the horrible damage between them. Wow. Yeah, I think, yeah, seeing, recognizing that connection between all of this is really like, wow, everybody's still connected. Even these <laughs> new characters, they're still connected. But I I think that Rumpel will stand up to this. And he did say, I'll, we'll do our best. But he seemed more genuine about it than Regina. Regina seemed like, really? Do we have to she's, save someone else? She's, <laughs> you know, kind of got a one-track mind right now. Like, save Henry. That's it. Yeah. Speaking of one-track mind, our love triangle. <laughs> well, two of them have one-track minds anyway. In Rainbow Cove. Yeah, come out of Rainbow Cove. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma only has room for one love, and that's Henry. Oh. And uh, Maddie sent in this feedback saying, On the topic of Emma and Hook slash Neil... I'd really like to see someone just mention Graham and Emma and just see Hook and Neil just be dumbfounded at hearing Emma had feelings for someone other than them. (laughs) (laughs) The last time I cared about someone, I kissed him, he died immediately. (laughs) And Hook, unfortunately, that didn't happen to you. Oh, snap. Yeah, that's going to make a lot of people upset. I know. Just the fact that I talked about Graham. When they Sorry. find Tinkerbell again, which it was great to see Tinkerbell again in this episode, there was that smile from Tinkerbell to Neil. And I'm, I, I think she likes him. Yeah, she was kind of eyeing him like she was in like with him. Yeah. <laughs> in like with him. And like he's a like interest. I, I came up with a name for this ship. No. Tinklefire. <laughs> <laughs> For so many reasons. <laughs> that is so bad. Would fire tinkle be in the top? Bail bell. Bail bell? Bail bell. Yeah. Oh, gee whiz. But in this communication between Fairy Fire, Neil, and Emma, it, it was a bit familiar. Listen to this first part from this episode. About Henry. He is all that matters. And if he's the only thing that came from us being together... Let's say we did all right. Does this remind you of anything? Any past conversations? No. What does it remind you of? Listen to this clip from the episode Manhattan. Everything that happens, happens by design. And there's nothing we can do about it. Forces greater than us conspire to make it happen. Fate, destiny, whatever you want to call it. The point is, maybe we met for a reason. Maybe something good came from us being together. That was when Emma and Neil were talking in the bar just after Emma had chased him down. So I like how they tied that back in. The whole something good came from Mm -hmm. this relationship, Mm -hmm. which they're bringing this into the storyline again makes 
me think that they're opening the door a little bit to say this is a door we could close (laughs) (laughs) but to, to say basically Maybe this will be the only good thing to come of the Emma and Neil, and maybe they won't be together. Well, I hope not. I am swan fire all the way. <laughs> I want to see them together. However, this episode, I agree, is opening the door for new ships, such as Tinkerbell and Bay. Now that he's all grown up, she did eye him that way. Tinkerbell did. Hmm. So that'll kind of open the door for Emma and possibly she'll be free for hook but maybe they were just friends and she thought that he was long gone and she'd never see him again and yeah there are so many things you could read into this well tinkerbell saw bay as a boy mm-hmm. now he comes and she recognizes him maybe it's like oh you're all grown up nice and strong that's looking, what i was saying but there wasn't and... any time for that <laughs> uh, yes but a look from a woman says uh, many things i know Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Then our last scene from this episode, combination of scenes when Henry confronts Pan about this, we see more lies or hear more lies from Pan. Things we know are definitely lies since he says, yes, Wendy is dying or Wendy is sick. And he said the island, the magic of the island is slipping away. So now I'm starting to question everything Pan says. And this especially... Is the magic of the island really slipping away? In that case, Charming's gonna die. Oh. Or if the magic of well, yeah. I don't think it's slipping away. I think it's just a trick. Unless the magic of the island is what keeps Charming there. So like if the magic of the island died, that Charming would be able to leave. Yeah. Kind of like laying the defenses down. No, the magic of the island is what lets him die. Yeah, and yeah, and what yeah. saved him also because that water that had the magic of the island. But of Skull Rock, Pan said, Inside is where our salvation awaits. Salvation that only the heart of the truest believer can bring. But I won't lie to you. It won't be easy. It'll require heroism and sacrifice. That music is even saying, danger, danger. Pan said it would require heroism and sacrifice, but (laughs) it kind of sounds like Pan speak for, you're going to die in there, and then I'll have myself a brand new heart. (laughs) You're going to have to give up your heart. You're going to have to give up your power. And, oh, by the way, your freedom, too. Yeah. I think Pan's going to devour Henry and have his heart full of belief yeah and i think he's only telling him it's the island's magic in wendy's life that he's saving it just to get them just to get him to go to skull rock where he can perform the deed that would be very quickly escalated if they get there and it's like pan's like so i have to eat you (laughs) (laughs) oh no i didn't mean eat i meant meant devour as in like somehow (laughs) absorb (laughs) wow (laughs) okay so that did escalate quickly (laughs) yeah it did i wonder what's in skull rock and how pan intends to make use of henry's heart Well, one suggestion comes from Max saying, after watching tonight's episode, I had an idea. What if it isn't all magic that is dying, but Pan's magic is dying, and he needs Henry to either stay young, stay magical, and stay alive? What if the heart of the truest believer is not a beating heart, but the soul? And what if the shadow is the soul, the essence of who you are? 
You need the flesh, but you also need the spirit. And maybe when they are torn asunder, nice use of the word asunder, <laughs> they both turn bad. Perhaps he thinks that with the heart and soul of Henry, the truest believer, he can gain even more power, power and or save himself, and that Skull Rock is the place where shadows are torn asunder. Henry might not die, but he may become evil and wicked, a fate worse than death. <gasps> that well, sounds terrible. We've seen, even in this episode, we've seen shadows being ripped out in places other than Skull Rock. But right. there's something clearly important about Skull Rock that whatever it is Pan has in mind has to happen at Skull Rock. Right. If it's if it's um if that's a place where um shadows are torn asunder, then <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me to find out that Skull Rock and Oh, what was the dark place called? Hollow? Shadow Hollow? Dark Hollow. Dark Hollow. Rainbow Cove. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if those were on opposite ends of the island. <laughs> if that were true. Yeah. What if Pan's dying? What if he thrives on belief? Well, I think he does. Oh, like what if fairies. What if he's dying because nobody believes in him, in him anymore? Yeah. After all, Pan did say to Wendy, I need to control that belief, to believe in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What if he's dying? What if he's the one who's actually dying? I would kind of, story-wise, I would like it to be something bigger than that. Bigger than just he's trying to save his own life, but something more diabolical. For the sake of the story, that's what I'm wanting it to be. But I could see something like that happening or it being something much bigger than that. Well, we've had a great conversation here about Once Upon a Time in Wonderland and <laughs> Once Upon a Time. No, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland is our other podcast we do over at wonderlandpodcast.com. But here we had a great conversation about Once Upon a Time. Yes. And thank you so much for the great feedback. If you'd like to continue this conversation, since we're now finished talking about the episode Dark Hollow, you can either comment on the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 121 or continue the conversation with many other members of the community over in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Now, here's a way that you can support Once Upon a Time, not just us, but Once Upon a Time as a whole, in the People's Choice Awards, which are going on right now. And the way that these work is there isn't a daily voting sort of thing. You can actually vote as many times as you want in a day. You can just keep refreshing the page, refreshing it. It will only work on a computer, but you can go to peopleschoice.com and vote. And here are the sections to vote for and support Once Upon a Time. Under Favorite On-Screen Chemistry, you can vote for Emma and Hook. Under Favorite Sci-Fi Slash Fantasy TV Show, vote for Once Upon a Time. Under Favorite Sci-Fi Fantasy TV Actress, vote for Jennifer Goodwin. And under Favorite New TV Drama, vote for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And those are the four sections to go in to support Once Upon a Time in the People's Choice Awards. And you can vote as many times as you want. And you can get all your friends to vote as many times as you want. If you want to sit there all day and click vote, they actually allow it. They just Gosh. say on the site, vote as many times as you want. That's So that's over mm. at peopleschoiceawards.com. And also, we mentioned in the initial reactions, the Philippines uh, were recently struck by a typhoon. 
And Jack, who does our show notes for us, lives in the Philippines. But a lot of damage has been done by this typhoon. And if you'd like to support it, um, there are several fund opportunities or charity opportunities there. And one of those is really easy in iTunes. You can go on iTunes and use your iTunes credits or credit card that you already have in iTunes to send a donation to help with uh, typhoon relief over there in the Philippines. But we'd love to hear from you. Whenever you send us feedback for an episode of Once Upon a Time, please put the episode title in the subject line of your email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or or call 903-231-2221. And you can also go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website. Please follow each of us on Twitter or follow the show as a whole on Twitter at Once Podcast and stick around for spoilers after the music and follow each of us. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny and you can follow me at Twitter.com slash Jenny's Nook. Big thanks to the for the recent iTunes reviews from Daniele in the United States and your best lover over at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And until next time, why so glum, chum? And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. What now? Do we make tea? Hi, Oncers, Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 3, Episode 8, Think Lovely Thoughts, is directed by David Solomon and written by David H. Goodman and Robert Hull. According to the ABC official press release, Pan leads Henry to a seeker cave where he has convinced the boy that he alone can save magic and Neverland itself. But a showdown between good and evil is about to go down as Emma, Mary Margaret, David, Regina, Mr. Gold, and Hook find themselves directly on a path to Pan in, eff- in an effort to save Henry. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale land that was, young Rumpelstiltskin is given a magical item that could help him make a fresh start with his father, who has been anything but a good dad. This episode guest stars Wyatt Olaf as young Rumpelstiltskin, Colin Corgan as Thug, Stephen Lord as Malcolm, Lindsay Collins as Spencer number one, Gladys Davis as Spencer number two, and making his debut as the voice of the shadow, Marilyn Manson. The previews look really good. A battle is about to happen and Regina and Emma team up with their magic. Wendy also announces that if they fail, I'm guessing she's talking about the rescue party here, Peter Pan will be immortal and Henry will die. So will Henry save magic? So everyone wants to know when we will be returning from Neverland and going back to Storybrooke. Well, it is said that we will see that in episode 10. With that, we already know that someone is going to die, and I have been looking to see if I can find out who. 
I did see a set photo, and it looks like Regina gets injured in battle. She is being supported by Henry and Neil with Emma right there. Also looks like they all make it back to Storybrooke. There's also a set photo out there of Rumpelstiltskin getting ready to stab Pan in the back. But there are cars around, so does that mean that Pan makes it to Storybrooke? Well, lastly today I have for you episode 11 officially has a title. Going Home will air on December 15th. That's all I have for you today, but you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Until next time, oncers.